0: Gateway is church that's organized congregationally, and here's what that means. Some of you come from uh, liturgical backgrounds. Some of you come from different denominations. Some of you, you're not really familiar with church. Uh, gateway is congregational in that it is organized, it's arranged, it's governed in that way, congregationally. And what that means is that the church is ours, and we make decisions about the most important things. So we, as a body, vote on Changes to our founding documents, like our Constitution. We vote on our annual budget and how we'll spend our money. We vote on the hiring and firing of pastors, which is why I'm so nice to you guys. We vote on buying and selling land and property, and we vote on elders. You know, the church is an unusual organization. It is a community. So we are a network of relationships. That's what the church is. Church is also a belief system. We believe something. We just declared that in that song, I believe in God the Father. And there are places in the world, and there have been times in history, where you and I could be killed for making that declaration. Church is also a business. We pay bills, we keep the lights on, we have chairs, we we own stuff, we, we together, uh, own this building. And all of those avenues, the church needs leadership. It needs direction, it needs guidance, it needs emotional anchorage, it needs spiritual direction, right guardrails need to be set up. It also needs you know, financial oversight, and it needs prayer, and it needs support, and it needs encouragement, and it needs serving. And one of the mechanisms by which we do that at Gateway is through the office of elder. So we have a board of elders that serve some of that function and they serve us as a body and they lead us. Sometimes they make decisions and other times they gather all the data and they bring recommendations to us as a body for our decision point. We have five elders right now and our church has grown a lot in the last two years. So we need to expand that in order to effectively lead and to effectively serve. So we are recommending to people to be elders at Gateway. Someone has asked, you know, are we voting between the two? Last week, Jabin, gave his, Jabin Bell gave his testimony. This morning, Bill Russell is giving his testimony, and we're not voting between the two. We are voting to affirm or it, not affirm— if, if
1: we were, though, we'd vote Jabin. <laughs> <laughs> we're voting to affirm or not affirm both. And our
0: Constitution says it requires a 75% vote. So in two weeks, we'll have a table in the back that will be unobtrusive. And if you're a member, you will go back and check yes or no for Bill and yes or no for Jabin. Now, some of you don't know Bill because we have new members, so we wanted you to hear Bill's heart and know a little bit about who he is. Bill has communicated here on Sunday morning a number of times, so some of you will know him through that, and some of you just know him through relationships, but for the rest of us, we wanted you to hear Bill's heart and to know who he was, so take it away, Bill,
1: Good morning, everyone. So the mandate up here today was I was supposed to give everything important that's happened in my life in 10 minutes. So that's a challenging task. I could actually not really figure out how to do that terribly well. So what I did is I constructed a rap, and I figured that would be the best way to communicate my entire life story. And then I realized I can't rap, so I probably shouldn't do that. So you know, I want to give you a little bit of background of who I am so that you know who's this guy that's being presented. Really, I want to give you a couple of decisions, the two decisions that I think were the most important decisions of my life, and then I'll give you a couple of events that have really shaped who I am that would give you some exposure as you hear my story so uh, you know growing up I grew up in a home that was not uh, I would not call it a Christian household we could spell church but that was about it you know people talk about holiday Christians I don't I don't even know if we really achieved true holiday Christian status you know technically my mom was Episcopalian my dad was Mormon and I was confused so um, that's pretty much how that worked and all through school, I really didn't know what I believed, what other people believed. And then somewhere around high school, I said, you know, I'm going to try to figure this out. I want to know what do I believe. So I began kind of in exploring this question of, you know, is there a God? And, and, and frankly, one of the things that happened to me is I found it incredibly frustrating that all these people claimed to believe in God, and then they didn't live any different. And so that eventually led me to a place where I thought, if this is real, I don't see it. And I began talking to a neighbor friend, and my neighbor friend, you know, I was asking him, you know, what do you think about God? And he shared with me that he doesn't believe in God, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. You don't have to believe in God, and I thought, well, that makes sense. He's at least consistent. Right? He's living the life that he wants to live, doesn't believe there is a God, thinks it's all a farce. And I thought, wow, shoot, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. So, being that we'd never really talked about God in my house, I thought that would go over well as I eventually became a self proclaimed atheist. So, I would share with my dad, uh, hey, I just, you know, I want you to know that I don't believe in God. My dad went ballistic. I guess he had a very simple view of how that works. If you believe in God, you go to heaven, and if you don't, you go to hell. Um, That's not really supported in Scripture, but it was an interesting view. But the way he communicated was along the lines of this. You're going to hell! And he literally shook me, and, you know, he was not a violent dad. I mean, he didn't uh, do that. And I shook, literally. So anyway, I went and tried to figure out what the heck was that, and began searching. But I'll I'll, I'll tell you something. He gave me a tremendous gift. And that gift was realizing that you could be separated from God. See, Matthew 7, uh, 13 and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the road that leads to destruction. For narrow the gate and the road that leads to life and those who find it are few, and that was so uh, interesting in my search as I began to really contemplate, you know, is there a God? As I began looking into that and realizing, wow, based on Scripture, our default status is separated from God, and I eventually, after doing a lot of study and a lot of reading, but frankly. All of that mattered little. I think the Holy Spirit was truthfully at work. I came to a place where I wanted to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. And so between my junior and senior year of high school, I became a Christian. I put my faith in Christ. I said, Lord, I believe in you. And he changed my life. And that was the first most important decision I made. The second was marrying my wife. She's been my number one supporter through the years. She's incredible. And she has supported all of my crazy schemes, which I seem to invent all the time just to make sure that she is okay with still adapting. And one of those was picking up everything, going all the way across the country and going to seminary. For those of you that aren't sure what a seminary is, it is not to be confused with a cemetery. Those are very different things. So in seminary, this is where you go, you learn about God, and and I'm computer science major, so it's the natural progression to computer science is to go then learn about God. And I went and got my master's at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. Right before this, what led up to that was one of uh, the most devastating things that happened in my life, and that is my dad passed away when I was about 22. And I don't want to think about it too hard because I don't want to get all emotional, but that was life-changing for me and he was not a poet but you know much like I'm not a rapper but he wrote this little snippet on on a scrap of paper that I read after he passed away and he said don't live life for life live life for death and if you do that your life will be blessed and that what was kind of precipitated hey I want to go to seminary and so we picked up we went across the country and that was awesome and you need to know at this point, I'm like, Lord, I want to give you my life, my, I want to give you my love, I want to give you my talents, and are you guys impressed yet? Okay, so I want to give you, Lord, all of this stuff. I want to give you anything that I have, Lord, it's yours. And I think that's the right heart. And you have to remember, part of what kind of built me up to even becoming a Christian and then being frustrated afterwards, this idea of hypocritical Christianity, I want no part of it. So I'm very, very excited, right? Lord's doing amazing things. I put together a ministry plan called Real Life Ministries and one of the professors at Dallas is using this as like to showcase, to show other students and I'm getting introduced to some pretty big names, some of which you may know. I got uh, introduced, I flew to Colorado, got introduced to one of the three founders of Promise Keepers and so uh, things were on fire. It looked like things were really moving. I was really excited. And I thought, man, well, this makes sense, you know, I want to do something big for God. And then I was working at Arthur Anderson, and I think you guys have heard that story, or at least some of you have. I think I shared that recently. What ended up happening out of that is that entire plan got derailed. And it would, instead of four years of seminary, it would now take 10. And that was devastating for me. That event has changed me in ways that I can't describe. So when, when you ask, who am I, that has to be part of my story. Because up until that moment, you know, I thought the parable of talents, right? So the parable of talents, if, if you guys remember the story, the master provides different talents to different stewards. And the first one, he gives 10 talents. And the second, five. And the third, only one. And the 10, he gets 10 more. The five, he gets five more. And the one, well, he goes and buries it. Master comes back and scolds him. What are you doing? You should have at least put that in the bank account and got interest. And I realized that I really, really, really wanted to be the 10-talent guy, right? I buried my talents. Ooh, I got 10 more. And when I met a couple of weeks ago and was talking to Ed and talking with Jabin, I realized in my heart of hearts I feel like a failure. And I was trying to figure out why. Like, I, I didn't understand why. Why do I feel this so deeply that I feel like a failure? And I realized the reason I feel like a failure is because I equated selling out for Jesus to be, I have to be in full-time ministry, I have to do all these different things, and I have to achieve this because if I do that, then I'm truly sold out. Don't confuse it. I didn't think that's what saved me, but I wanted that to be what it meant to be sold out for Jesus. And what I realized to be sold out for Jesus is to be faithful in the little things. Each little opportunity to serve, each thing that comes up where God says, hey, can you do this? It's saying yes. That changed my thinking. I think it was really important. Uh, So who am I after 25 years? I'm realizing that I still need grace. I still need Jesus, always will. That's my story.